Happy Monday, everybody, and welcome back to my podcast, Grab It Quick News. This is season four of my podcast for those of you joining in. And as always, let's give a big thanks to everyone who is listening and a huge shout out to the people who are writing me. So it's the last week of October and boy, let me tell you, the moon has absolutely been showing her ass this month. October 31st, remember you got to go outside and enjoy that blue moon because we may not see it again for like another 200 years. Also, CDC has laid out some guidelines for our trick-or-treating this year. We have less than nine days before an election. And I just want to tell people, if you're still having some issues deciding, let's see if we can help. So if this is about some political views, I just want to throw this out that racism, it's not a political view. Locking innocent people in cages, that's not a political view. And seeking to destroy your opponent, who is also an American citizen, like you are, that's not a political view. If you're still undecided, then I'm going to say this, and no offense, but you're dumber than the Scarecrow off of The Wiz and The Wizard of Oz combined. So in regards to Halloween 2020, let's just make sure that we are being safe and just be sure to check with CDC and then collaborate with your neighbors for a safe COVID Halloween because, hey, kids love to trick or treat. All right, let's get started. A gentle reminder, if you're not 18 or older, you should not be listening to this without your parents' consent. Let's get it. Fox News analyst Judge Napolitano forced New Jersey waiter to engage in bizarre sex act suit claims. This was written by Stephen Rex Brown, September of 2020. A Fox News legal analyst, Judge Andrew Napolitano, forced a man he met at a New Jersey restaurant to engage in a bizarre sex act involving father-son roleplay, a shocking new lawsuit claims. James Kruzelnik says in a suit filed Monday in New Jersey Superior Court that he met Napolitano while working as a waiter at the Mohawk House restaurant in Sparta. The prominent analyst relentlessly pursued cruel Mr. K, we'll call him, and groped him in the men's bathroom, the suit states. Mr. K claims he wanted to keep the friendship with the Fox News celeb 20 years his senior, platonic. But he was also flattered by the fact that Mr. N, a famous television personality, was interested in spending time with him. On September 6th of 2015, Mr. K visited Mr. N's home and the Fox News host allegedly revealed his fetish. Mr. N entered the living room with his pants down and declared, I am really into certain things, and I want you to do something for me, the suit reads. Mr. N walked up to the plaintiff's chair and suddenly threw himself onto the plaintiff's lap. Mr. N then told the plaintiff, I want you to start slapping me really hard, the suit read. Before the plaintiff could say anything in response, the defendant, Mr. N, then demanded that Mr. K spank his exposed butt while Mr. N masturbated on his lap. Mr. K said he wasn't into the sex game, but Mr. N insisted, according to the suit. Just fucking 
do it, Mr. N allegedly claimed. Mr. N then demanded that Mr. K call him son while the plaintiff played the role of daddy and spanked Mr. N. Mr. K seeks $15 million in damages from Mr. N. Mr. K is the second man to recently accuse Mr. N of sexual abuse. A South Carolina man... Charles Corbishley sued him earlier this month, alleging that Mr. N sexually abused him while presiding over his arson case in the 1980s. Mr. N stepped down from the Bergen County, New Jersey bench in 95 and became a legal analyst. Both men are represented by the law firm Joseph and Norisenberg. These allegations are total fiction, and the judge unequivocally denies them, Mr. N's attorney Tom Clare says. This copycat lawsuit filed and promoted publicly by the same lawyers representing career criminal charge Charles Corbishley is nothing more than a pile-on attempt to smear the judge for their own financial gain. We will defeat these false allegations in court and we look forward to exposing this continued attempt to abuse our court system to smear a highly respected former public servant. Mr. N sought to keep Mr. K in his orbit by promising to use his influence to help the waiter resolve legal problems, according to the lawsuit. Mr. K says he faced discrimination at the restaurant because of his sexual orientation. His brother also faced serious criminal charges. Mr. N allegedly said he could help with both. I have fixed cases and I have gotten people off. I have sent people away. Papers allege Mr. N saying, between spring of 2016 through the summer of 2017, Mr. N continued to exert severe psychological domination and control over Mr. K. The suit reads, one night Mr. K and a Fox News intern went to Mr. N's house. The papers claim. Mr. K was given a drink, and within 10 to 15 minutes of consuming the drink, the plaintiff felt extremely woozy, as if he'd been drugged. He woke up hours later in Mr. N's bed with blurred memories of engaging in a sexual threesome with the judge and the Fox News intern, the suit reads. During their last encounter on the 6th, Mr. N tried to rape Mr. K, traumatizing him according to the lawsuit. The suit seeks damages for sexual abuse, assault, and battery, and other claims. The prominent analyst was once reportedly close to alleged President Trump. Politico reported in 2017 that the judge told friends that Trump was considering nominating him to the Supreme Court. More recently, the judge has been on the receiving end of his ire for daring to criticize the president on the favorite network. Fox News did not immediately respond to this new allegation. The judge has assured us in the strongest possible terms that these allegations are false and he will fight them aggressively in court, Fox News said in a statement earlier this month. When Sachin Raoul, 27, encountered a sexual issue following a breakup three years ago, it led him to feeling distressed. It was frustrating to not have control over my body. I really wanted to behave in a certain way, but it was really difficult. While Mr. Raoul sought help through therapy, he admits that at around 100 pounds per session, it was really tough on his wallet. 
However, it did push this entrepreneur to try and find a way to make therapy more accessible, leading him to partner with therapist Dr. Katherine Hurtline and co-founder Blue Heart, a free app designed to help individuals and couples combat sex-related issues. It uses a mixture of audio and text-based sessions focused on areas such as building a positive relationship with your body and communication. We want to eradicate the stigma associated with sexual dysfunction by providing an app which acts as a safe space for people to address the issues they are having, says Mr. Raoul, who is based in London. I could only dream of something like Blue Heart existing three years ago. I was willing to jump into anything I could find. How Blue Heart got off the ground. From erectile problems to low libido, many people are unhappy with their sexual well-being. A 2017 survey by counseling organization Relate found that only 34% of UK adults are satisfied with their sex life, while 32% have experienced some sort of sexual problem. Erectile dysfunction remains a major issue with research reporting that more than 322 million men are expected to suffer from erectile dysfunction by 2025. While there's been a proliferation of apps emerging in areas such as mental health and fitness, sexual wellness has long been ignored despite so many people feeling dissatisfied with their sex life. However, a rising number of startups are looking to change this. Last year, Dr. Brittany Blair, a clinical psychologist and behavioral medicine expert, co-founded Sexual Wellness App Lover. It describes itself as a science-based app for addressing sexual concerns, increasing pleasure, and improving skills in the bedroom. It looks to take on such areas by a series of practical exercises such as orgasm exercises, mindfulness, and games through a mix of audio and video content. One of its courses focuses on erections, a 23-day program featuring a variety of different exercises and techniques. The company found that 62% of the 600 men who took part in a three-week trial reported improvement in their erections through their clinic in San Francisco, Dr. Blair treats clients with issues such as the inability to climax, painful sex, erectile dysfunction, and low desire. Therapy can change people's lives, she says. Sexual health is very important and I see relationships changed and lives changed through the work that I do face-to-face. Now we have tech as a digital intervention. The tech means that they can reach more people. The grand plan is we help people to optimize their sexual life and make sure sex stays alive. Sexual disconnection is a reason couples get divorced. Lover is free, but you can pay a monthly or annual subscription for additional premium content. Another app making waves is Furly, F-E-R-L-Y, an audio app and a guide to mindful sex. It's launched by founders Billy Quinlan and Dr. Anna Hushlack last year. The app brings together audio erotic stories, guided practices, and personalized programs to help women explore their pleasure in a more mindful way and overcome sexual issues. Ms. Quinlan says the founders wanted to create a platform that would tackle a taboo topic. She adds, 
It's not about the sexualization of sex or sex toys. It's about sexual wellness. Sexual health is another really critical pillar of health that's often neglected until it needs confronting. The app takes users through different programs addressing issues such as lack of body confidence, low libido, and the inability to have an orgasm. We use a mindful cognitive behavioral therapy coach, explains Ms. Quinlan. Many sexual issues are because there's a psychological barrier. You can't take a pharma approach. You have to take a holistic approach. Like Lover, Furley is free but charges for premium content. One user based in Edinburgh turned to the app after her sister recommended it. I was assaulted when I was a teenager and I didn't have a good relationship around female pleasure. I found it kind of stressful and upsetting for various reasons, she states. She used the app while also seeking therapy. I held back a bit during therapy, but the app gave me my own space to reflect. It helped me recognize a lot of emotions, and it was good for the healing process. It also made me feel better about what I would feel comfortable asking or expecting from a partner. It gave me more confidence. Like many mental health and fitness apps, the startups reported an increase in visits during lockdown. It showed us that people were starting to evaluate their health and that sexual wellness is an important part of that, says Miss Quinlan. Blue Heart's Sashin Raoul echoes one of the positive knock-on effects of COVID-19. Lockdown pronounced parts of people's lives and made people take care of their mental health, he says. Silva Neves, a psychosexual and relationship psychotherapist and couples therapist, says he really is pro-technology and can reel off the benefits of such apps, especially for those who cannot afford therapy. But he warns people to do their research before downloading. Some platforms are going to be better than others. Do not just Go to Google and find anything. It's good to be directed by others. Some apps will have just been sprinted to the market and offer a poor service. Look at the names, the backgrounds of the people behind the apps. You want people who are experts in sexology and have qualifications. With the digitalization of this sector, can the apps replace human intervention with a sex therapist? There's a place for both, says Mr. Raul. People have different preferences. Some people are extremely shy and would never talk about their sexual issues with someone. Plus, not everyone can afford therapy. Lovers, Dr. Brittany Blair adds that there will be always a place for doctors working with patients in the office. We are not going to create an app that is the same as talking in the office. We are not trying to. People talk about sleep and mental health, but no one is talking about sex, about 20% of people with sexual issues actually need intervention with a sex therapist. But if we can help 80% with their sexual problems, then I'll take it. Sex cult leader facing life sentence regrets nothing? Several victims are expected to testify when Keith Rainier, the founder of NXIVM, is sentenced this week for sex trafficking, extortion, and other crimes. This story was written by Nicole Hong, October 26, 2020, at 5 a.m. Keith Rainier, the leader of a self-help organization called NXIVM, 
had been revered by throngs of loyal followers who promoted him as the smartest man in the world. They called him Vanguard, believing that his teachings would bring about peace and even influence elections. Mr. Rainier, now 60, is now sitting in jail, convicted at trial as a con man who was exploiting NX IVM to enrich himself financially and recruit sexual partners, leading to its current reputation as a sex cult. He will return to court on Tuesday for his sentencing, facing the possibility of spending the rest of his life in prison. His sentencing is expected to include hours of statements from victims. Still, Mr. Rainier carries no remorse and will not be seeking forgiveness, his lawyer said. He has accused the judge of corruption and demanded a new trial. He is not sorry for his conduct or his choices, his his lawyer wrote in a court filing last month, adding that he intends to fight this case with all of his might, confident that he will one day be vindicated. Mr. Rainier's sentencing in federal court in Brooklyn will be the culmination of a legal saga that brought down an organization whose expensive self-empowerment courses were taken by Hollywood celebrities, professional athletes, and top business school graduates. Many people join Nexium hoping it would help them overcome their insecurities and give them a sense of purpose. But Mr. Rainier also created a secret women-only group within the company in 2015. Those women who were called slaves were branded with his initials near their pelvises and assigned to have sex with him. They adhered to strict diets, restricted to as low as 500 calories a day. They required to hand over collateral, including photos of their genitals that they feared would be released if they disobeyed him. A wave of Nexium members fled the organization after learning about the branding ceremony, leading to a criminal investigation and the arrests of Nexium's top leader. A jury convicted Mr. Rainier last summer after a six-week trial. Prosecutors charged him with racketeering, applying a statute that had been used to dismantle the major mafia families in New York. The jury found him guilty of crimes that included child pornography, forced labor, sex trafficking, identity theft, and obstruction of justice. In recent months, Mr. Rainier has spearheaded an aggressive campaign to overturn his conviction. He is trying to create a podcast about his case, and he set up a contest to find errors in his prosecution in exchange for $25,000 cash money according to the court filings he has complained that the judge overseeing the case is quote-unquote crazy in a prison phone call in april mr rainier told one of his supporters that the judge needs to know he's being watched on friday the judge denied for a second time mr rainier's bid for a new trial his legal team led by a mark agnafilo argued that two of his followers decided not to testify in his favor because of government intimidation, a claim the judge dismissed as highly questionable. Members in Nexium, whose courses were thousands of dollars apiece, was by invitation only. As the curriculum progressed, Mr. Rainier used psychological manipulation to indoctrinate his followers into total obedience, former members have said. Critics of Mr. Rainier faced retaliation in lawsuits, creating an internal culture with no tolerance for dissent. The group was headquartered near Albany, New York, and had operations in Mexico and Canada. Its Mexico branch has been led by the son of a former Mexican president, attracting many influential Mexican families who remained supporters of Mr. Rainier. After the criminal investigation began, Mr. Rainier moved into a villa near Puerto Vallarta, where the authorities arrested him in 2018. Prosecutors have said in court papers that Mr. Rainier deserves a life sentence, a punishment that is typically reserved for cases involving death or murder. 
Mr. Rainier's lawyers have argued that nobody was shot or stabbed or punched or kicked or slapped or even yelled at. This was not the typical organized crime case, and Mr. Rainier should get no more than 15 years in prison, they contended. No one has ever testified that he or she joined a drug gang or that Genovese family or a cartel because they thought that by doing so they can make the world better or bring a higher level of humanity to themselves and others, his lawyers wrote. Still, federal prosecutors have said Mr. Rainier's unwillingness to accept the responsibility and his contempt for his victims demonstrate that a life sentence was the only way to stop him from continuing the pattern of hurting more people. The unprecedented magnitude, duration, and scope of Rainier's crimes demand the most serious penalty available, prosecutors wrote. In a significant development, prosecutors revealed last week that a woman from Mexico identified only as Camilla might speak publicly for the first time at his sentencing. Mr. Rainier was accused of sexually abusing Camilla and taking nude photographs of her starting when she was only 15. Mr. Rainier also had a sexual relationship with Camilla's sister, Daniela, who testified at trial. Prosecutors presented evidence that Mr. Rainier had helped Daniela enter the United States illegally using a fake ID. After Daniela developed feelings for another man, Mr. Rainier threatened to deport her back to Mexico unless she confined herself to a room, according to a trial testimony. She stayed in that room for almost two years and experimented an experience that pushed her to the brink of suicide, she has said. Mr. Rainier was charged along with five other leaders in Nexium, including Allison Mack, the former TV actress on Smallville. Each of the five pleaded guilty ahead of the trial. One of them, Claire Bronfman, heiress of the Seagram's liquor fortune, was recently sentenced to more than six years in prison for her role in bankrolling Nexium, including funding lawsuits against Mr. Rainier's enemies. The others do not have sentencing dates yet. More than 50 members of the Nexium community wrote letters to the court praising Mr. Rainier. Their testimonials portrayed him as a godlike figure who helped heal their physical injuries, increase their IQ scores, and raise their salaries. Many of his supporters had careers at prominent finance consulting and law firms. Mr. Rainier's supporters described befriending him at late night volleyball games, a hub of Nexium social life, where members lingered on the sidelines hoping for a chance to speak with him. One woman, Linda Chung, said her training with Mr. Rainier had taught her to be skeptical of experts and was more valuable than all of her formal education at Dartmouth College, Cornell Law School, and Columbia Business School. In another letter, the doctor inside Nexium, who branded the women, defended the secret sorority, saying the brand was a way to commemorate Mr. Rainier's contributions to the group. When it got hard, did I sometimes want to get out? Sure, but no different than when I wanted out in a middle school or a residency. The doctor identified only as Danielle wrote. Mr. Rainier never married and had long-term relationships simultaneously with multiple women. Nexium's curriculum taught women were to be monogamous, while men could be polygamous. Mr. Rainier grew up in Suffern, New York, about 25 miles north of New York City. His father was an advertising exec who often traveled away from home. His mother was a professional ballroom dancer. His parents divorced when he was a child. When he was 13, his mother went through open-heart surgery. He cared for her through high school, where he had no friends. She died shortly after he began college. 
at an institute in New York in 1990. He started a company called Consumers Byline, which offered discounts to members on groceries and other products. The state authorities began investigating the company for fraud. By 97, the company was shut down after Rainier reached a $40,000 settlement with the New York AG's office. As part of the agreement, Mr. Rainier was forbidden to operate another multi-level marketing scheme in New York. The next year, he started Nexium. All right, so we've reached the second half of my podcast, which is the letters to the Jessica. So let's begin. Our first letter is from a female from Georgia. She writes, Dear Jessica, I will admit to you that when I was in high school, I was deemed, quote unquote, ghetto. Now I am in my late 20s and I have gone through therapy, college, and have matured quite a lot. My my fiance keeps bringing up the fact that I used to be ghetto and it makes me feel bad. Should I talk to him about it or just leave him? Ooh, you just gonna leave him? You just fuck it, gone. Well, I'm gonna say, first off, Congratulations on elevating your your mental status, elevating your financial status, and just elevating yourself. Because I don't think people realize how much work it takes to work on yourself. Um, the word ghetto, it never really sat right with me because people always say, you know, wearing pajamas in public is ghetto. But I always catch people who aren't from the ghetto wearing pajamas. You know what I'm saying? Like, so, you know, ghetto is, to me, ghetto to me is kind of like time. Time is relative, right? It's relative to who's saying it. So when I hear ghetto, all that means is, you know, you you were not polished or your idea of polished. And I'm sure, you know, high school to college that was you know maybe seven or eight years of you working on how to talk how to dress how to you know what I mean what neighborhood you want to live in you know what friends you want to have and that is a lot of work so I commend you on that and maybe if your boyfriend, I don't know, you know what I mean? You didn't really give me a lot. You just said that he brings it up. And I would say you writing me this letter, he brings it up a lot. You used to be ghetto. He is a fiance. And I will say that sometimes men get cold feet worse than women. So if they know about a past bad behavior or they deem a bad behavior and they know about it from your past, they may feel like, you know, when times get hard or, you know, you may turn ghetto. You know what I mean? And that may be something that he's thinking where, you know, if you guys get into a really bad argument, are you going to go ghetto and, you know, cut one arm and one pants off his clothes and then throw him out? Or are you going to, you know, beat his ass? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So just remember that. And really, he's your fiance. So I would say just don't leave him. This is, you know, the test of any real relationship is working through the hard stuff. And you may want to sit him down and say, you know, babe, why do you bring up, you know, the fact that I'm ghetto? And you'll get a really good answer. It will be, you know, one, babe, I was just joking. I just thought it was funny, you know, and you, I don't think it's funny. Or two, 
he could say, um, I don't really see the change that you're seeing. You see what I'm saying? And then you would have to, you know, give your list of what you have changed and what you haven't. And then, um, or three, he could just be like, you know, I'm scared that, you know, you're going to be ghetto and you're going to turn ghetto or you're going to teach my kids to be ghetto. And if that happens, then you need to be ready to have a really good answer for him. Is there an answer for being ghetto? No, because again, I don't, I don't really like that word. I think that's a very racist term used to validate poor people. Yeah. If you were poor, more times, you know, nine times out of 10, you lived in a bad place. And, you know, your colloquialisms, your behavior, your survival mode, it's totally different than if you lived in a suburb or went to an all white school. You know what I mean? So I don't want you to get caught up in that. And I don't want you to think him saying I'm ghetto is going to bring me back to being ghetto because the truth is, baby, you was never ghetto. You just needed some polishing and you've got that polishing. So now if you feel like he's doing the most, it's your fiance. So now this is a good time to talk to him about that because I think he probably gets glimpses of you know what you know you probably have a friend girl remember back then and he probably doesn't get to see that so he may just be teasing you I noticed that when guys really like you and you seem like perfect to them and they can find one thing that isn't perfect you know what I mean they like to tease you you know needle you a little bit about it and and make you feel you know you know, it's like a fun thing. Guys are weird. Even when they're like 20, 30, 40, they still like to needle their girlfriend. Do I think this is a big deal? I don't. I think that you may still be a little sensitive about it because, again, like I said, you've worked really hard to, you know, get that comeuppance to not be that person that you, that stereotype, because that's what that is. It's a stereotype. So I'm going to say keep him don't leave (laughs) just you know have a conversation with him and everything I think will work out okay thank you so much for writing me the letter our second letter is from a female in Texas she writes dear Jessica my boyfriend of eight months asked me to look up something on his phone And when I went to his internet tab, I found an adult film login screen. In the private tabs, should I talk to him about it or mind my business? It's just, I feel like, why would you want to pay to see another woman naked when you have me? Well, female in Texas, a man's going to do what a man's going to do. Unfortunately, this is a weird thing. But guys are nosy. And I also want to point out something. Um, a man knows if you're going, if he's going to marry you within six months to nine months. And he also is not going to change his patterns of behavior until he feels like it's worth changing. I think right now he is just a boyfriend. This is eight months. And... I think he's getting serious with you because he gave you his phone. Every man knows what's in their phone. So this may have been a way for him to breach a conversation with you. He may actually have found something that he wants to try with you. 
But I'm going to tell you from my perspective, do not cuss him out. Do not yell at him. Do not act crazy. If you ever want to get that phone again, (laughs) if you ever want him to hand you his phone and trust you, you can't do that. But what you can do is wait and then when you are calm enough to talk about it hey babe remember that one day you gave me the phone to look up something I saw a tab in there was that tab like for me because I'm gonna be honest with you the last thing you sent me this kind of sounds like you're insecure sometimes it isn't what you think it is and the only way that you will ever know that is if you are secure and honest and confident. So when you talk to him, secure, honest, confident. But don't ever start with the, why do you want to pay to see this when you can have me? Don't ever go there because it's not needed and it's unnecessary. If anything, was there something you wanted to try? Make it light and fun and well, we've been together eight months, so I know you, you know, you haven't needed this app, right? Ha ha ha. But the number one thing that you're going to do is you're going to be open. You're going to be honest and you are not going to come out of a bag on him because I'm telling you now, female from Texas, if you come out of a bag on him, you're never going to get the phone. This was a moment of trust. And now this moment of trust can be tainted with your insecurity. And I know, well, I don't feel like I'm insecure if I saw it. Yeah, but you saw it. You didn't see exactly what it was. You just saw a login page. That's it. And it could have been he clicked on something that took him to that page. You know what I mean? You never know. We all have a crazy cell phone. I know my phone, if I throw it down too hard, it'll call the police three times. And I promise you, I've had the jump out boys at my house like, is everything straight? Yeah, I'm fine. Well, your phone called us three times. (laughs) So, you know, look before we leap. Ask questions before we assume and just be a good girlfriend because you're not his wife. You are his girlfriend. That doesn't mean you need to go above and beyond. Just means that you need to meet him where he's at. Whatever he's giving, you take it. And whatever you're giving, he takes it. But it all needs to be a positive exchange of emotions, correct? And an honest, transparent relationship. So you let me know how this goes. Thank you so much for the letter. Our last and final letter of this episode comes from a male in Washington. He writes, Dear Jessica, I like paying for sex. I do not know why people get shamed for it, honestly. Your thoughts. Well, male in Washington, I think that sex work, prostitution is a form of sex work. And I do feel like it needs to be decriminalized and it needs to be destigmatized. And I'll tell you why. Um, Because there are so many people who need the care of a sex worker. I would figure you are probably a male who enjoys just being able to get up and go. And I always have to tell people that when they ask me, "Why why people like to pay for sex? You are not paying for sex. You are paying that person to not judge you. Mm-hmm. 
you're paying for that person's silence. And also, married men who pay for sex, generally, they're paying for sex so that way it kind of is a boundary. Like, if I'm paying for this, that means that that's all it was. Was no emotions in it. And then young men sometimes like to pay for sex to get the experience. There are some people who feel like, I want to lose my virginity because I want to be a good lover to my girlfriend. And they may see a prostitute. There may be a couple who is not able to have sex because one of their partners is terminal, terminally ill and is going through radiation and chemo and they need that intimacy. Then there are some some customers who just come and they want to talk. There are also other customers who just love to help out a beautiful person. So, I mean, sex work is not just about paying for sex. It's a service. And whatever service is within that, that's between the client and the provider. An interesting fact, why is prostitution the oldest um, occupation? But what a lot of people don't understand is back in olden days, virginity was looked at as something to be protected, even to the point where when they would train knights, they would tell them, you are, I'm training you to protect not only your Lord's household, but your lady's virginity and his daughter's virginity because back then women were ch- were like cattle you could get a highest bid if your daughter was untouched and so a lot of women would run away because your life was not your own also it was illegal for women to have money okay so you run away from whatever dad you had who's trying to basically sell you like you are a prize cattle, but you want to be whatever you want to be. So usually women would run away and they would become a barmaid or they would become a prostitute. And a lot of the times you didn't get to keep money. You had to barter in jewels. And that's how prostitution and jewels became a correlation. But in order to establish your independence, that was a big deal was you had to remove the stigma around sexuality. A lot of prostitutes in the world have formed the world. One of the baddest fucking pirates was a a female prostitute. Mm -hmm. A lot of influence comes from you know, being a paramour back in those days and you would date a, you know, a governor or someone like that and that would allow your safety. But in order for women to actually be independent, to buy their freedom, prostitution was a big way because back then there were, you couldn't be a librarian. You couldn't be an artist. You know what I mean? You couldn't be any of that. You would either have to be a prostitute or a widow. And sometimes you don't want to be a widow. You just want to be free. But yes, I agree. I think that the one way we can help decriminalize this is more people need to start talking about why sex work needs to be available. And we also need to also talk about consent. If you are under the age of consent, then shouldn't be 
you know, talking about prostitution. But we need to make sure that we not only just talk about prostitution, why it needs to be legalized and decriminalized, but we also need to talk about sexuality. We need to be more open with our kids about their bodies in general, naming it, calling it the right names, um, letting them be responsible for their autonomy. And that's a big, big step in the world that I think we're all ready to take. And I think the more we talk about why sex work needs to be decriminalized, then people will be able to have the sexual freedom that they desire because they did a you know, surveys. And it only says, like the UK, only 34% of people are sexually happy. That is not a lot of folks. (laughs) That is not a lot of folks. But could you imagine if sex work was decriminalized everywhere and, hey, I can go get what I want and not have to worry about, you know, my friends laughing or or nagging me or worry about if this lady is you know, got something because she's licensed, she's clean, and there's a safe place for us to go. So, yeah, I think it's, um, I think sex work is, it is what it is, you know what I mean? It's a real job, it is work, and I think the more that we talk about it, and the more that we're open to the possibility, the more change that we can get from it. Thank you so much for writing me this letter. Well, that's all the time we have. I need your support, Team Grabbit. If you value the free and paid content that I've delivered over the years, please consider subscribing to my accounts or my official website, jessicagrabbit.com today. If you're already a subscriber, now's a great time to use the tip me feature on this Anchor app, as well as the other sites that I have. Send me an Amazon gift card or refer 10 friends that you know that will benefit from my service. Remember, Every contribution, big or small, will ensure that I am able to produce content in the years to come. One day soon, this crazy era of social distancing and hunkering down at home will be behind us. And I'll be back working out at the gym at 6.30 a.m. and camming my regular 10 to 11 a.m. shift. And I know all of you are having fantasies about getting immersed in some of the -the out-of-the-house activities once again. But for now... Every one of us needs alternative ways to escape, and I aim to be that escape. So long, and remember, be good, or be good at it. Until next time, bye.